Chapter Fifteen of Adeline Mowbray by Amelia Alderson Opie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter Fifteen. It was to a wife and daughters such as these that he was returning with the benevolent wish of interesting them for the guilty Adeline. So, Dr. Norbury, you are come back at last, was his first salutation. And what does the creature say for herself? The creature? Your fellow creature, my dear, says very little. Grief is not wordy. Grief? So then she is unhappy? She is? cried Mrs. Norbury. I am monstrous glad of it. The doctor started, and an oath nearly escaped his lips. He did say, Why zounds, Jane? But then he added in a softer tone, Why do you rejoice in the poor girl's affliction? Because I think it is for the good of her soul. Good girl, replied the father, but God grant, Jane, seizing her hand, that your soul may not need such a medicine. It never will, said her mother proudly. She has been differently brought up. She has been well brought up, you might have added, observed the doctor, had modesty permitted it. Mrs. Mowbray, poor woman, had good intentions, but she was too flighty. Had Adeline, my children, had such a mother as yours, she would have been like you. But not half so handsome, interrupted the mother in a low voice. But as our faults and our virtues, my dear, depend so much on the care and instruction of others, we should look with pity as well as aversion on the faults of those less fortunate in instructors than we have been. Certainly, very true, said Mrs. Norbury, flattered and affected by this compliment from her husband. But you know, James Norbury, laying her hand on his, I always told you you overrated Mrs. Mowbray, and that she was but a dawdle after all. You always did, my good woman, replied he, raising her hand to his lips. But you men think yourselves so much wiser than we are. We do so, replied the doctor. The tone was equivocal. Mrs. Norbury felt it to be so, and looked up in his face. The doctor understood the look. It was one of doubt and inquiry and as it was his interest to soothe her in order to carry his point, he exclaimed, We men are, indeed, too apt to pride ourselves in our supposed superior wisdom. But I, you will own, my dear, have always done your sex justice, and you in particular. You have been a good husband indeed, James Norbury, replied his wife, in a faltering voice, and I believe you to be, to every one, a just and honorable man. And I dare say, dame, I do no more than justice to you, when I think you will approve and further a plan for Adeline Mowbray's good, which I am going to propose to you. Mrs. Norbury withdrew her hand, but returning it again. To be sure, my dear, she cried, anything you wish, that is, if I say right to— I will explain myself, continued the doctor gently. I have promised this poor girl to endeavor to bring about— a reconciliation between her and her mother. But though Adeline wishes to receive her pardon on any terms, and even if it be required, to renounce her lover, I fear Mrs. Mowbray is too much incensed against her to see or forgive her. Hard-hearted woman! cried Mrs. Norbury. Cruel indeed! cried her daughters. But a mother ought to be severe, very severe, on such occasions, young ladies, hastily added Mrs. Norbury but go on, my dear. Now it is but too probable, continued the doctor, that Glenmurray will not live long, and then, and then this young creature will be left to struggle unprotected 
with the difficulties of her situation and who knows but that she may from poverty and the want of a protector be tempted to continue on the paths of vice well dr norbury and what then who or what is to prevent it you know we have three children to provide for and i a young woman as yet true hannah giving her a kiss but a very pretty woman too well my dear love anything we can do with prudence i am ready to do i can say no more you have said enough cried the doctor exultingly then hear my plan adeline shall in the event of glenmurray's death which though not certain seems likely to be sure i could not inquire into the nature of his nocturnal perspirations his expectorations and so forth dear papa you are so professional affectedly exclaimed his youngest daughter well child i have done and to return to my subject if glenmurray lives or dies i think it advisable that adeline should go into retirement to lie in and where can she be better than in my little cottage now empty within a four miles ride of our house if she wants protection i can protect her and if she wants money before her mother forgives her you can give it to her indeed papa cried both the girls we shall not grudge it the doctor started from his chair and embraced his daughters with joy mixed with wonder for he knew that they had always disliked adeline true but then she was prosperous and their superior little minds love to bestow protection and it was easy to be generous to the fallen adeline mowbray had her happiness continued so would their hatred then it is a settled point is it not dame asked the doctor chucking his wife under the chin when to his great surprise and consternation she threw his hand indignantly from her and vociferated she shall never live within a ride of our house i can assure you dr norbury the doctor was petrified into silence and the girls could only articulate la mamma but what could produce this sudden and violent change nothing but a simple and natural operation of the human mind though a very kind husband and an indulgent father dr norbury was suspected of being a very gallant man and some of mrs norbury's good-natured friends had occasionally hinted to their sorrow at hearing such and such reports reports which were indeed destitute of foundation but which served to excite suspicions in the mind of the tenacious mrs norbury and what more likely to reawaken them than the young and frail adeline mowbray living in a cottage of her husband's protected supported and visited by him the moment this idea occurred its influence was unconquerable and with a voice and manner of determined hostility she made known her resolves in consequence of it after a pause of dismay and astonishment the doctor cried zounds dame what have you gotten in your head what all on a sudden has had such a cursed ugly effect on you second thoughts are best doctor and i now feel that it would be highly improper for you with daughters grown up to receive with such marked kindness a young woman at a cottage of yours who is going to lie in of a bastard child but steth my dear it's a different case when i do it to keep her out of the way of having any more that is more than i know dr norbury replied the wife bridling and fanning herself Phew, whistled the doctor and then addressing his daughters girls you had better go to bed it grows late the young ladies obeyed and first hung around their mother's neck as they bade her good night and hoped she would not be so cruel to the poor deluded adeline 
Mrs. Norbury angrily shook them off, with a peevish, get along, girls. The doctor cordially kissed and bade God bless them, while the door closed and left the loving couple alone. What passed it were tedious to repeat. Suffice that after a long altercation, continued even after they were retired to rest, the doctor found his wife, on this subject, incapable of listening to reason, and that, as a finishing stroke, she exclaimed, it does not signify talking, Dr. Norbury, pushing her pillow vehemently towards the valence as she spoke, which I have my senses, and can see into a millstone a little. The hussy shall never come near us. The doctor sighed deeply, turned himself round, not to sleep but to think, and rose unrefreshed the next morning to go in search of Mrs. Mowbray, dreading the interview which he was afterwards to have with Adeline for he did not expect to succeed in his application to her mother, and he could not now soften his intelligence with a but as he intended. True, he meant to have said to her, your mother will not receive you, but if you want a home or a place of retirement, I have a cottage, and so forth. Pshaw! cried the doctor to himself, as these thoughts came across on the road, and made him hastily let down the front window of his post-chaise for air. Did your honor speak? cries the postboy. Not I. But can't you drive faster and be hanged to you? The boy whipped the horses. The doctor then found that it was uphill. Down went the glass again. Zounds, you brute! Why do you not see it is uphill? Find fault he must, and with his wife he could not, or dared not, even in fancy. Dear me! Why, your honor bade me put on. Devilishly obedient, muttered the doctor. I wish every one was like you in that respect and in a state of mind not the pleasantest possible the doctor drove into town and to the hotel where mrs mowbray was to be found dr norbury was certainly now not in a humor to soothe any woman whom he thought in the wrong except his wife and whether from carelessness or design he did not unfortunately for adeline manage the self-love of unhappy mother he found mrs mowbray with her heart shut up not softened by sorrow the hands once stretched forth with kindness to welcome him were now stiffly laid one upon the other and how are you sir coldly articulated was followed by as cold a pray sit down zounds why how ill you look exclaimed the doctor bluntly i attend more to my feelings than my looks with a deep sigh answered mrs mowbray your feelings are as bad as your looks i dare say they are worse sir said mrs mowbray piqued there was no need of that replied the doctor but i am come to point out to you one way of getting rid of some of your unpleasant feelings see and forgive your daughter mrs mowbray started changed color and exclaimed with a quickness is she in england but added instantly i have no daughter she who was my child is my most inveterate foe she has involved me in disgrace and misery with a little of your own help she has replied the doctor come come my old friend you have both of you something to forget and forgive and the sooner you set about it the better now do write and tell adeline who is by this time in london that you forgive her never after having promised me not to hold converse with that villain without my consent had i no other cause of complaint against her had she not by her coquettish arts seduced the affections of the man i love never never would i forgive her having violated the sacred promise which she gave me a promise interrupted the doctor which she would never have violated 
had not you first violated the sacred compact which you entered into at her birth what you mean sir i mean that though a parent does not at a child's birth solemnly make a vow to do all in his or her power to promote the happiness of that child still as he has given it birth he has tacitly bound himself to make it happy this tacit agreement you broke when at the age of forty you regardless of your daughter's welfare played the fool and married a penniless profligate merely because he had a fine person and a handsome leg mrs mowbray was too angry and too agitated to interrupt him and he went on well what was the consequence the young fellow very naturally preferred the daughter to the mother and as he could not have her by your fare was resolved to have her by foul means and so he i beg dr norbury interrupted mrs mowbray in a faint voice that you would not spare the disgusting recital well well i will now do consider the dilemma your child was in she must either elope or by her presence keep alive a criminal passion in her father-in-law which you sooner or later must discover and be besides exposed to fresh insults well glenmurray by chance happened to be on the spot just as she escaped from that villainous fellow's clutches and he is dead dr norbury interrupted mrs mowbray and you know the old adage do not speak ill of the dead and a devilish silly adage it is i had rather speak ill of the dead than of the living for my part but let me go on well love taking the name and habit of prudence and filial piety for she thought she consulted your happiness and not her own bade her fly to and with her lover and now there she is owing to the pretty books which you let her read living with him as his mistress and glorying in it as if it was a notable praiseworthy action and you would have me forgive her certainly a fault which both your precepts and conduct occasioned not but what the girl has been wrong terribly wrong no one ought to do evil that good may come you had forbidden her to have any intercourse with glenmurray and she therefore knew that disobeying you would make you unhappy that was a certainty that fellow's persevering in his attempts after the fine rebuff which she had given him was an uncertainty and she ought to have run the risk of it and not committed a positive fault to avoid a possible evil but then hers was a fault which she could not have committed had not you married that d dog and as to her not being married to glenmurray that is no fault of his the good lad looks as ashamed of what he has done as any modest miss in christendom and with your consent will marry your daughter to-morrow morning lord lord that ever so good cleanly-hearted a youth should have poked his nose into the filthy mess of eccentric philosophy have you done doctor cried mrs mowbray haughtily have you said all that miss mowbray and you have invented to insult me your child sent me to insult you she adeline why the poor soul came broken-hearted in post-haste from france when she heard of your misfortunes to offer her services to console you she consoles me she the first occasion of them but for her i might still have indulged the charming delusion even if it were delusion that love of me not of my wealth induced the man i doted upon to commit a crime to gain possession of me why zounds hastily interrupted the doctor every one saw that he loved her long before he married you the storm 
long gathering now burst forth and rising with the tears high color and vehement voice of unbridled passion mrs mowbray exclaimed raising her arm and clenching her fist as she spoke and it is being the object of that cruel preference which i never never will forgive her the doctor after ejaculating phew as much as to say the murder is out instantly took his hat and departed convinced his labor was vain zounds he muttered as he went downstairs two instances in one day ah oh, that jealousy is the devil but then slowly walked to the hotel where he expected to find adeline and glenmurray they had arrived about two hours before and adeline in a frame of mind but ill-fitted to bear the disappointment which awaited her for with the sanguine expectations natural to her age she had been castle-building as usual and their journey to london had been rendered a very short one by the delightful plans for the future which she had been forming and imparting to glenmurray when i consider she said the love which my mother has always shown for me i cannot think it possible that she can persist in renouncing me and however her respect for the prejudices of the world a world which she intended to live in at the time of her unfortunate connection might make her angry at my acting in defiance of its laws now that she herself from a sense of injury and disgrace is about to retire from it she will no longer have a motive to act contrary to the dictates of reason herself or to wish me to do so but your ideas of reason and hers may be so different no our practice may be different but our theory is the same and i have no doubt but that my mother will now forgive and receive us and that living in a romantic solitude being the whole world to each other our days will glide away in uninterrupted felicity and how shall we employ ourselves said glenmurray smiling you shall continue to write for the instruction of your fellow-creatures while my mother and i shall be employed in endeavouring to improve the situations of the poor around us and perhaps in educating our children adeline when animated by any prospect of happiness was irresistible she was really hope itself as described by collins but thou o hope with eyes so fair what was thy delighted measure and glenmurray as he listened to her forgot his illness forgot everything but what adeline chose to imagine the place of their retreat was fixed upon it was to be a little village near falmouth the scene of their first happiness the garden was laid out mrs mowbray's library planned and so completely were they lost in their charming prospects for the future that every turnpike man had to wait a longer time than he was accustomed to for his money and the postilion which had driven into london in the way to the hotel before adeline recollected that she was for the first time in a city which she had long wished most ardently to see they had scarcely taken up their abode at the hotel recommended to them by dr norbury when he knocked at the door adeline from the window had seen him coming and sure as she thought herself to be of her mother's forgiveness she turned sick and faint when the decisive moment was at hand and hurrying out of the room she begged glenmurray to receive the doctor and apologize for her absence glenmurray awaited him with a beating heart he listened to his step on the stairs it was slow and heavy unlike that of a benevolent man coming to communicate good news glenmurray began immediately to tremble for the peace of adeline 
and hastily pouring out a glass of wine was on the point of drinking it when dr norbury entered good zooks give me a glass cried he i want one i am sure to recruit my spirits glenmurray in silence complied with his desire come i'll give you a short toast cried the doctor here is at this moment adeline entered she had heard the doctor's last words and she thought he was going to drink to the reconciliation of her mother and herself and hastily opening the door she came to receive the good news which awaited her but at the sight of her the toast died unfinished on her old friend's lips he swallowed down the wine in silence and then taking her hand led her to the sofa adeline's heart began to die within her and before the doctor after having taken a pinch of snuff and blowing his nose full three times was prepared to speak she was convinced that she had nothing but unwelcome intelligence to receive and she awaited in trembling expectation an answer to a well sir from glenmurray spoken in a tone of fearful emotion no it is not well sir replied the doctor it is a ill sir but have you seen my mother said adeline catching hold of the arm of the sofa for support and in an instant glenmurray was by her side i have seen mrs mowbray but not your mother for i have seen a woman dead to every grateful impulse of maternal affection and alive only to a selfish sense of rivalship and hatred my poor child god forgive the deluded woman but i declare she detests you detests me exclaimed adeline yes she swears she can never forgive the preference which that vile fellow gave you and i am convinced that she will keep her word and i lord have mercy upon us cried the doctor turning round and seeing the situation into which his words had thrown adeline who was then lying unmovable in glenmurray's arms but she did not long remain so and with a frantic scream kept repeating the words she detests me till unable to contend any longer with the acuteness of her feelings she sunk sobbing convulsively exhausted on the bed to which they carried her my good friend my only friend cried glenmurray what is to be done will she scream again think you in that most dreadful and unheard-of manner for if she does i must run out of the house what then she never treated you in this pretty way before eh never never her self-command has always been exemplary indeed lucky fellow my wife and daughters often scream just as loud on very trifling occasions but that scream went to my heart for i well know how to distinguish between the shriek of agony and that of passion when adeline recovered she ardently conjured dr norbury to procure her an interview with her mother contending that it was absolutely impossible to suppose that on the sight of a child so long and tenderly loved should not renew a little of her now dormant affection but you were her rival as well as her child remember that however you look so ill that now if ever she will forgive you i think therefore i will go back to mrs mowbray and while i am there do you come ask for me and follow the servant into the room i will replied adeline and leaning on the arm of her lover she slowly followed the doctor to her mother's hotel End of chapter fifteen recording by pam moscato